Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to a good football show. I am your host, Patrick Darty. Today I will be joined by John Daigle and Denny Carter, where we, we will be discussing the fantasy fallout from the first wave of free agency. Guys, I know things are fast-paced right now, and you probably just want to jump right into it, but I actually thought it'd be a good time to slow things down, take a breather, take a break. And you know, nothing does that better than the sport of baseball. <laughs> And, uh, you know, Denny uh, weighed in the other day in a conversation I was having on Twitter about the shift. Mm-hmm. And I have it on good authority uh, that you have strong opinions on such matters. And, Denny, I was kind of hoping you could just come in and offer the worst possible opinion uh, on the shift in the sport of baseball and softball. I, I can't do that, but I can offer a good opinion. And uh, first of all, I, I actually don't know. It, so the MLB is, is going to ban the shift. Is this right? No, they're experimenting with it in double A and then possibly seeing how that is going, going to bring it to the majors. You know, you can't get a hit up the middle of the field anymore. You definitely can't get a hit uh, near like second base at all anymore. If you're a left-handed hitter, it's ruined Matt Carpenter's career. It's ruined Anthony Rizzo's career to an extent. And they're just experimenting with it. People, we want more action. We want more balls in play. Okay. Well, now, now this is all ruined because I, I'm all for, you know, baseball games that are regularly 15 to 10, you know, like I, I, I want that as a, as someone who never watches baseball, but um, my, my experience um, with the shift is that I have, um, I've been victimized by the shift in softball for years and here's what happened. So uh, early in my softball career, and I think we all remember, you know, me in my early twenties playing softball, uh, I, I was a pool hitter. I'm a righty pulled it to left field every single time they put the shift on me. I got aggravated one summer. I redid my swing. Okay. And, uh, as to an inside out swing, I was able to go to right field. And then what happened was I forgot how to do anything else and I could only hit it to right field. So they shifted over to right field. And I mean, massive, ridiculous shifts. Put like a Um, rover fielder on you, like extra, the, the whole nine yards, everything. I mean, yeah, they would, they would put the shortstop, on on the other side of second you know they they put the 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 second base person in the outfield you know and and anyway so i've been i've been victim but it was it was uh it was fair and it worked on me and so i am somehow pro shift i think it should be allowed for 25 years nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a mike's hard lemonade 
It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Well, so I thought, yeah, so when I caught, got you on the phone the other day, when I interrupted you eating your meat mountain, which you do do every day now. <laughs> every day, yeah. You don't want the people to know. I said, you streamed the one. You don't stream the others. Like, after the lights go out, you're not streaming the <laughs> meat right. mountains. I could tell that it kind of seemed personal with you. And I was going to ask you, yeah, if you had gotten shifted in softball. John, do you play softball, by the way? Do you get shifted in softball? I'm actually glad you transitioned to softball because talking about baseball with Denny and I would have gone nowhere in a hurry. Uh, I do play softball. My only issue with rec league softball is that I am usually the one, like if you are subpar talent, that means you're probably one of the best players on your team. Like I was used to be athletic. Thus I'm usually one of the best players on the team. And that means I'm stuffed inside the infield. Usually where the balls come as hard line drives in third base. And it's the most terrifying experience every time. <laughs> like I don't, I, I understand I needed for the sacrifice, but like, I don't want to be the one there whenever the six, four guy reliving his glory days from high school comes up and swings for the fences, but can't get it in the air anymore because those grounders, you have to get in front of them and they are absolutely terrifying. So yes, I do play, but most of the time I'm stuck at third base and it sucks. Those grounders are legitimately terrifying. Like those are, are life endings. I have the best of both worlds where I'm still one of the fastest players left on my team, but I didn't really play baseball growing up. So I can't, uh, I like don't have baseball instincts. So I just get, st- I get put in right field despite still having some athleticism and speed. So like I get to like be a terror on the base pass, but there's zero expectations of me as a fielder. Um, I, so- uh, I, I I'm I'm jealous. I wish I wish I like the outfield. I want the outfield every time. Uh, for some somehow I ended up being the oldest player on my current softball team. Of course, our season was canceled last year. I'm like the grandfather of everybody. Everybody's 20 years old, uh, and and here here I am, you know, limping onto the field playing pitcher. I'm the pitcher for for my current team, and uh, there have been uh, I don't know six to eight. Uh, line shots back at me per season where there's a moment where I'm like, this is the end. Like, this is it. This is how, <laughs> this is how I die. It's a line shot right to my skull. Uh, so I, John, I know exactly what you're saying about those, 
those hard grounders and line shots are terrible. Pit- pitcher means you have a useful skill, though. Right field is the one where you throw your most useless player every single time. <laughs> no, Sorry, it's true. I, I am. So it's so frustrating because I track down like every ball. I can get to the ball and then I don't catch it. Um, so it's like so mortifying. Yeah, I, I think can, you like, just explained why you're in right field. I can, no, exactly. I can get to the spot, but I cannot secure the ball. And uh, I've gotten a little better over the years, but I lost all my momentum because of COVID-19 last oh, yeah. year. Anyway, enough about a sport or sports, you know, that most of our listeners actively avoid. Uh, <laughs> free agency is here. Moves have been made. Uh, none bigger and splashier than Jonu Smith to the Patriots for four years and 50 million. That is at least as of Monday afternoon, uh, there could have been some moves in the interim, but as Jason from over the cap tweeted, you know, Jonu's offer was a clear, we want you at all costs offer from the Patriots. I'm sure we all have takes on Jonu Smith to the Patriots, but before we can talk about Jonu, we have to talk about Cam Newton re-signing with New England and, just a lot to unpack with Cam coming back after the year he had last year. John, do you first, do you think Cam will be the starter this season? Um, and is there any fantasy juice left to squeeze from this orange? Like what is Cam's best case 2021 scenario at this point? I'll do my best to go into details. Denny laughs because I shaved my beard and he can't take me seriously right now. Uh, but Cam Newton finished the top six quarterback in the first two weeks of the season. That primetime game against Seattle included, which was far and away his best game of the season, but struggled to break the glass ceiling of finishing inside the top eight from week three on. And that's excluding week 17 because a lot of starters sit. We don't really count them. Plus the Patriots in week 17 played the Jets who had already given up on that time. But the fact is, he still surprisingly averaged 7.2 yards per attempt despite his arm basically going dead down the stretch. Although I do think it's entirely plausible that he just didn't have the weapons around him. Uh, of course, they got nothing from their tight ends room. Their running back room was just interchangeable as both Sony Michelle and Damian Harris were consistently in and out of the lineup. And then, of course, it took until week eight for the coaching staff to stubbornly finally start Jacoby Myers over and kill Harry. So he's going to be in a much better situation. The big question mark is his contract, though, because he literally got paid less than a backup quarterback. It's $5 million, including a half a million guaranteed. Um, I know it was first reported as $14 million on a one-year deal, but a whopping $9 million of that was joke incentives that he probably can't reach. Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, the list goes on and on. So, of course, it's interesting that he's still tied for the team-leading carries with 137, but overall, it's just going to come down to the talent around him, when Jonu certainly helps, and then also just being better through the air because, again, we're getting an insurgence of rushing quarterbacks as rookies into the league now. And so it's going to be even harder for him to finish as a QB one if he's not throwing the ball well. So do you think the financial commitment to Cam was so little that like are you not willing to like take shots on him in best ball yet? Or you do you think someone else is going to show up either as a rookie or like another veteran uh competition? I think it's fine if you're drafting, let's say, three quarterbacks, uh, or you're just waiting for late for your second quarterback because you have Mahomes Lamar, a guy that basically is never going to get toppled, you think, in weekly scoring. But yeah, the money they gave him would tell me that they will absolutely still be in the market for at least competition with him. He's not guaranteed to be the starter at all. Case Keenum makes more than him this year. And that's an astounding fact. Probably the best fact we'll have on the entire podcast. <laughs> we will get to Denny's opinion. I'm going to make Denny sit in silence for a few more minutes and just say that 
Yeah, I think Cam to the Patriots is probably like the best for both sides because we know he's he wasn't even going to get a shot to start anywhere else. We don't know if he's going to actually be the starter for the Patriots. I mean, as of this week, it's certainly looking he's definitely in the driver's seat to be the Patriots and starter. And we all know like how dismal and dispiriting last year was down the stretch, but we also know this is like an infamously complex offense that he at least now has a year of experience in. Uh, the coaching staff basically never stopped raving about Cam. You know, last year we all, by the end of the season, just wanted Cam benched because I mean, he was playing that poorly. It was that hard on the eyes, but the coaching staff never gave up on him. So he does have a year of experience in this offense. Uh, despite Jonas Smith's addition, it's still going to be very light on passing game weapons, even if they add even if they added like two or three more players, uh, they'd be people inexperienced in the system or they'd be rookies, and it's going to be a weak supporting cast no matter what. And we know that Cam you know, got the rushing back on last year. 12 rushing touchdowns were the second most of his career and the second most in NFL history. So I actually understood, especially from the financials, I mean, it was kind of a no-brainer for the Patriots. And even if it felt like disrespectful for like a player of Cam's tenure and – you know, a former MVP just five or six years ago, I mean, it was probably still the best he was going to do. So I do understand the move from both sides. But, you know, Denny, yeah, so ha- having just laid out, you know, the situation with the Patriots, the, still the lack of weapons. You know, Jonas Smith was a top 10 player in almost every scoring format last year by total points. He was outside the top 12 in PPR. Mm-hmm. Half PPR, he was a top 10 tight end. I mean, is Jonas, what is Jonas Smith's baseline? in new England as a fantasy wide receiver. Well, I will say, but you know, my reaction to uh, Jonah Smith signing with new England was somewhere, it fell somewhere between, you know, thanks. I hate it. And God has forsaken us um, <laughs> not to be dramatic, but I, I, I think, I honestly think the, the, the best case scenario is that he's like a solid streaming option in 12 team leagues uh, next year, because, because of the lack of volume, you know, um, I, I take no pleasure in reporting that Jonu Smith is a good blocker. This is this is terrible. He is a very good blocker. This is this is, this is really bad for us. Uh, I I hate when tight ends are good at, at blocking, and and you know New England you know wanting to run a, a, a run heavy offense unless they completely and totally revamp uh, this Cam led offense uh, from from last season. Uh, it's going to be super run heavy. Uh, and they and so yes, they paid him a lot, and clearly they value his skill set a lot. His skill set includes being a really good blocker, particularly a run blocker. So I I think that uh, we're looking at the contract, kind of blown away by the details, but uh, kind of forgetting how this offense wants to wants wants to run, wants to operate. Um, honestly, any pass catcher in a in a late career Cam led offense. Uh, is is going to be tough action for you know fantasy purposes uh, if you're looking for for consi- consistency. Uh, we saw that last year, even with Jacoby Meyer, who was dominating targets at a, at some point. Even he was was tough to start in you know 12 team fantasy leagues at some point. Um, I, I'm hoping that the tight end is more involved in the New England offense this year. Last year, Patriots tight ends caught 18 total passes. Um, obviously Jonah Smith will uh, eclipse that and be the, um, you know, be the starting tight end and see a lot more action, but they barely ran any routes. I mean, Ryan Izzo led all Patriots tight ends with 17 routes per game. That's not, not many. Uh, So I I think just like all tight ends, except for maybe two or three uh, Jonah Smith will enter 
this season as a very touchdown dependent option. To your point, I do think the details of the contract are getting slightly overblown. Like, is it significant that the largest annual salary Bill Belichick had handed out to a pass catcher before this was Wes Welker's $9.5 million franchise tag? Yes, and this contract, of course, exceeds that by $3 million annually. But the overall numbers, in my opinion, are just inflation that match the position. George Kittle got $30 million guaranteed. Smith got $31 guaranteed. Austin Hooper got $42 million total. Smith got $50 million total so really nothing to see here uh it's going to come down to where he's being drafted and can you leverage his landing spot because the Patriots at the end of the day still had the second lowest pass play rate and neutral game script last year so there's a lot that can go wrong in valuing Smith at his ceiling I will say the best part is like if you are trying to paint a picture where he reaches that ceiling, it's quite easy because the same process that led us to select Darren Waller, Logan Thomas, even Robert Tanyan, if you were following the tea leaves closely, was ample opportunity and no competition. And that's ex- the exact situation Smith walks into, despite the fact the Patriots comically drafted two tight ends in the third round last year. Yeah, so the Patriots, you know, two things there. Uh, they are willing to admit draft mistakes very quickly, which is good. Uh, you don't want the sunk cost fallacy sinking in, but boy, uh, a lot of draft mistakes. And uh, the, yeah, the two tight ends immediately moving on from that. And we got we got the reasons for despair from Denny. We kind of got the reasons somewhat for hope from John. John's had maybe more on the despairing side too. Uh, I, I mean, I'll say with Jonu and the blocking and all that, so first off, obviously, I, I know Denny. You're saying weren't saying he's going to just be a blocking tight end. Obviously, no. he's going to catch a lot of passes. There will be targets. And Rob Gronkowski, you know, was a very good blocker mm-hmm. and still got to go totally nuts as a pass catching tight end in New England. And Bill Belichick, a quote that people were resurfacing all day Monday, raves about Jonu Smith after the catch, and so like signaling how he would maybe use Jonu Smith if he ever had Jonu Smith. And so Jonu was a good blocker too, but. He's been established you know, two of the most important parts of fantasy production in 2020, 2021, which we know it's becoming a yak obsessed game, creating, putting players in positions where they can create yards after the catch. We know Jonu does that. Uh, we know Jonu has finally been established as a red zone threat, a red zone option where, you know, early last season, he was kind of compiling more with y- yardage and catches. And then he had some minor injuries like foot and ankle issues that seemed to really slow him in the second half of the season where he kind of turned into almost exclusively a goal line finisher. But the good news was he could do that. And it's just a very versatile, well-rounded player. And it, I could see he's going to be a guy, I think, of yo-yoing narratives all offseason because we're going to love the potential opportunity. But then we're going to despair about, you know, the weak overall offense he's in and how he might have to be used and, uh, I think right now I am still comfortable drafting Jonah Smith as a tight end one. I, I would still value, I think I still value Jonah Smith basically where he was last year. I feel like you know, his ceiling should have gone higher last year. We got kind of stuck in like tight end, like 10 to 12 range. And I think there's probably still room to grow for that. But for, for right now, I would say his baseline is still a tight end 10 to 12. Range. It, 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 listen, if you, if you hated rostering him as a Titan, just wait. It's going to get much worse in New England. I that's that's I I'm completely out on on Jonu Smith as a Patriot. I do think he's a low and tight end one. And by the way, what no one's talking about is that Anthony Ferkser saw nine and seven targets in the two games that Jonu Smith was injured or didn't play at all last year. So also a good opportunity for him, despite not having Arthur Smith around this year. 
Before we move on, I would like to remind our audience that an NBC Sports Edge premium subscription now includes all sports. So you can get access to NBA, NHL, college basketball uh, with the NCAA tournament beginning this week and MLB premium products all under the same umbrella. That also includes our MLB draft guide. For 10% off any subscription, enter the promo code GOOD10. That is GOOD10 for 10% off. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Uh, so, yeah, John, earlier I said the words best ball. Um, so that, I think that's good enough for a transition. Uh, you are you know, you're the offseason drafting maven around here. Denny and I are going to get on in on the game at some point. You're the best ball guy. You're our best ball tiers. You're out there living it. And uh, you're walking the walk and talking the talk with the rankings and then actually doing the drafts in uh, best ball. Who are you going to prioritize from the post Drew Brees offense in New Orleans? Right now, are you hitting Taysom Hill? Are you hitting Jason J- Jameis Winston? Which, obviously, this includes you're trying to have to get inside the mind of Sean Payton and guess who will actually be the starting quarterback. But as we know, like those kind of predictions, trying to figure that stuff out is like where the edge comes in. So, who are you prioritizing right now in best ball drafts, Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill? To me, it would be Jameis Winston. Oddly enough, uh, the contract details for Taysom Hill are laughable. How is this legal, by the way? I really do not know. And, and more importantly, why doesn't every team do this? Like, all they did was make four, five voidable years and stack all the cap on the back so it doesn't even matter unless they keep him five years. They're not going to keep him five years. He's 31 years old. So I don't understand why, like, the Cowboys, why isn't every team doing this right now? Yeah, I, I tweeted, I'm going to repeat, Josh, our ex-host Josh Norris, loved when I bring up my old tweets, but I tweeted if this happened yesterday, whatever is going on here seems like it's going to result – and the loss of a second or third round draft pick at some point, like the NFL is not going to be a fan of whatever cap craziness is going on here at the saints, because which I don't understand. You can add on voidable years, but why did they make, was there any incentive to make the number that big? Or is this just like a pure troll job? Like that's what I don't get. Like, I think it was just an actual troll job. For those Uh, that don't know, it, it was a four year, 140 million extension with all of the years and the money tacked on the end of his deal. Uh, it basically should be viewed as a one year, 
$12 million contract with all of that money full and guaranteed. Because even in 2022, he has a $7.7 million cap hit, but it's the same exact amount of money in dead space. So it just doesn't matter what they do with it. And again, he's going to be 32 next season. So we're not even looking into that. Um, at this time last year, remember, Jameis Winston was not only still a free agent, but not even looked at. No one even cared at all where he landed. And so it took the Saints taking a flyer on him and like the fifth wave of free agency. So I imagine it's the same thing where only the Saints covet him and they'll probably get him on a one year, let's say seven to nine million dollar deal. But I think that's enough to where, as some reports are saying, he should be gauged as the team starter. It's interesting because Michael Thomas still had a 43% target share, 8.3 targets per game, and the six games that he played with Taysom Hill. So that'd be interesting if Hill is under center. But overall, both of these players will be drafted in the last rounds anyhow. And so I would take my chance on Winston, not only being younger, but winning the job, and then also being tied to that organization potentially for the next five years, which Taysom can't do. Denny, do you agree? Are we getting Jameis season the long overdue Jameis season, or is it back to the bowels of Taysom Hill hell? Uh, give me the bowels of Taysom Hill hell, and I didn't think I would say that, but uh, the you know the the Konami code upside is is very appealing. I think as a late round uh, pick there. Mostly, I'm just interested in the Saints accountants doing my taxes this year. Is this? Can we look into this? Can does anyone have a contact? I mean, it is amazing how how they manipulate uh, the, the 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 financials every season. I feel like this is when they have finally taken it too far because the number. I, I think is this going to invite unwanted scrutiny, both from like 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 armchair like people who like evaluate the cap and like the NFL because it's such a ridiculous. I just don't understand if you're going to make up a number. Why that is the number you would make. And, and I'm again, I'm right, right? The 140 million number is just like totally irrelevant, as John laid out, right? It, it, has it, it could have been it could have been 240 million. Right. It has nothing to do at all with this 2021. It's, it's not like Dak, like there is no chance Taysom plays out this contract. He's not going to see the money. So I it, it just doesn't make sense. I don't know how they get away with this. I don't either. And I'm going to repeat another tweet I had where I, uh, Taysom Hill is Sean Payton's favorite Reddit stock. I really um, like that tweet. I uh, I mean, that, it's what this feels like. This feels like market manipulation, folks. And to be clear with Denny, I would like Taysom as a starter. I think he offers more fantasy upside, not so much performance on the field, but fantasy upside than Jameis. I just think the way things are leaning right now, if you told me to accurately draft the starter, I would be picking Jameis right now. I didn't know what I was going to say about this, but I have, I've crafted a take during the show where Great. I think Sean Payton, I, is he trending towards like a true college football situation? And like, is he going to use two quarterbacks? Because he kind of already did that when he had one right. of the greatest players in league history in Drew Brees. He loved Taysom Hill that much. Like, I, I don't, I, I think we could maybe see a situation where like the saints, like genuinely fully use two quarterbacks like you sometimes see in college. And I feel like that would be a total fantasy nightmare. And I I may be getting too far out into takesville, but like (laughs) Denny said, it seems like Jameis is going to be back. We know he loves Taysom Hill. And I I think that we could be, we're like asking like, who is it going to be like either or, and I feel like it could honestly end up being both. Yeah. It would be terrible, but it's definitely in the range of outcomes. You know, I, I, if, if Jameis Winston is eventually named the starter, and that could be as late as, I don't know, August, like late August at this point, if, if there's a full-blown camp competition and if there's a preseason, who knows, you know? Uh, even if he is the starter, 
Taysom Hill's not going anywhere. It's not like he's just going to sit there with a clipboard. He's going to come in and out of the lineup. He's going to, you know, especially in, in uh, high value situations, short yardage, goal line, whatever. I, he's not he's not going anywhere. So I think I think that, you know, Jameis's fantasy upside is just it just takes a huge hit by Taysom being around no matter what. It's definitely going to be a Jacoby Brissett on steroids situation where we mm. know if Taysom came in with Drew Brees, of course, if it's Jameis, Taysom's going to come in on the goal line every single time. Yeah, I think you guys just hit on the heart of the matter there, where even if Jameis becomes the starter in mid-mark, the only thing we know for sure is that Taysom Hill yeah, is not going anywhere and he's going to have a role. It's just a matter of how big that role is. So far, we've had a very quarterback-focused show uh, but you could argue the biggest signing of the first uh, you know, day or two of free agency would be Aaron Jones returning to the Green Bay Packers, something you know, I, I didn't think was going to happen. I think a lot of people didn't think was going to happen. It seemed like the Miami Dolphins were Aaron Jones's future, but uh, he's back for four years and $48 million. Uh, Aaron Jones was the RB6 by total points and half PPR last year. He was the RB2 in 2019. Uh, He's in the top 10 in like every meaningful running back category over the past two years, yards per carry, uh, receptions, rushing touchdowns. He has done it all, both for the Packers and fantasy players. But you know, sitting here today, we so we know Aaron Jones, he's used to two-man backfields. He's been a part of a two-man backfield his entire career. And the man he shared that backfield with, Jamal Williams, is leaving in free agency. Uh, but after all those accomplishments, after the contract Aaron Jones got, I feel like can we still be confident that he is going to be an, a locked-in RB1 in 2021? Because A.J. Dillon, is just, he's a different level of competition than Jamal Williams was. And unlike A.J. Dillon, like profiles is maybe like an exclusive kind of like goal line back option, despite how good Aaron Jones has been at the goal line. It's just my long-winded way of saying, despite what we've seen in the past years and despite this financial commitment, do you guys still trust Aaron Jones as like a set it and forget it RB1? I'll start with you, John. I am stunned they re-signed him, first of all. Could not believe they got a deal done. But more importantly, I still think Jamal Williams hanging around out there and whether he returns or not is crucial to Jones cracking the top three RBs. He's proven already, as you said, number six overall last year, top five in fantasy points per game among running backs. But Jamal Williams still quietly soaked up 35 targets to Aaron Jones' 63. Whereas if Jamal Williams is officially gone, and I'm not ruling it out just yet since they are a match made in heaven, uh, they both want to be back with one another next year. I will say A.J. Dillon, as we know, totaled 21 catches only across three seasons with Boston College and saw just one target across 97 offensive snaps last year. Not saying he can't be a pass-catching running back, just saying in his entire career he's never been used as such. And so that, in my opinion, would unlock the potential for Jones to become a top-three option. Proven already, top five, that's just fine. But if Jamal Williams is gone, that's where we start getting to a really tantalizing ceiling that he can reach. I think it's the, yeah, it's the pass catching uh, that is, is so appealing about Aaron Jones. So, you know, last year he saw 45% of the Packers carries, which was down from 57% in 2019. Now he did miss two games. So take that into account, but um, you know, he, he was eighth in running back targets last year with 61 and he was 10th in running back targets in 2019 with 67. I, I you know I think that that's the sort of thing that, 
uh, can can buoy him even if he's not getting like a, a typical workhorse um, load, you know, uh, workload for uh, for Green Bay. Uh, I, I will say that, um, you know, you're going to have to believe in him for his ADP. Like there, you're you're going to have to probably be all in or all out on on Aaron Jones. Um, but, you know, he ha- you know, he has succeeded as a guy who doesn't dominate touches it doesn't dominate carries in that backfield i guess there's no reason to think that that'll change yeah i guess i think you hit on what will probably be like the question with aaron jones is will aj dylan uh how, how will aj dylan at the goal line that inc- maybe that loss of like goal line opportunities for aaron jones will that be offset by the increase in passing game opportunities from the likely departure of jamal williams and like how that evens out will probably tell the story of like if Aaron Jones remains an elite RB one, but it sounds like you're both are still quite comfortable with him as like a, as a legit RB one. Maybe we just don't know where the range is going to be. Is Am I mistaken, John? I, I don't think the role changes at all. Matt LaFleur, I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but the past two seasons has said in his postseason conferences, or maybe it was the combine pressers actually, when asked about drafting running back, he's always said, like, we're looking to add someone because we are going to run a committee here. Um, but Aaron Jones still played 60% of the snaps last year, and we've already talked about where he finished. So if that stays the exact same, if that's Jones's floor, that's a top five option. That's just fine. You can be happy with that. Again, it's going to come down, in my opinion, to Jamal Williams being there or not, because that's really what's going to separate Jones, uh, because A.J. Dillon, in my opinion, will only be used to do one thing. I think you're forgetting, John. A.J. Dillon had a 100-yard game in the snow, uh, so like this is basically... Was, I was trying to remember, was week 17, that was a game that didn't matter for them, right? Or was that a must-win? It was It was. A, it was a game of playoff implication against, yeah. okay. against the Titans. It mattered a lot more for the Titans than the Packers. Right. And I believe that the Packers steamrolled them. They did. And, uh, but thank you, Pat, for, for mentioning that. No one talks about no that. The highest T thing possible. Yeah. I would yeah. be more worried about it. In the snow. It. Yeah, man. Yeah, my testosterone was through the roof that, that night. Uh, yeah, I think that about wraps up the initial wave of free agents. Things are going to be coming hot and heavy. We're going to have a lot of reaction through the week. We're going to have another show later in the week. We'll have another draft show later in the week. Uh, continuous coverage on Roto World or NBC Sports Edge, excuse me. Uh, that was not, uh, it's going to take some getting used to, folks. I'm sure it's taking some getting used to for the audience. Getting I, used to for us and NBC Sports Edge as well. Before we get out of here, I do quickly want to say that it is amazing, truly, that. G, uh, Bucks GM Jason Light, who was horrendous for his whole career until last year, uh, basically locked up Chris Godwin, Shaq Barrett, and Levante David all to long-term deals and unrestricted free agency free agency for only thirty million in cap space combined. It's an amazing accomplishment for being so poor at his job until last year. That's what happens when Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the CEO of this. He solves it all, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was sending us out. I have, do have a quick question before we depart. If we had an NBC Sports Edge softball team, uh, would you guys let me play in the infield? <laughs> you can play third base, actually, yeah. Uh, yeah, the hot corner. Yeah, you could take that. Here's here's what you do, though. You wear one of those uh, helmets with the uh, face guard. Uh, you know, you, you just, just do that and wear a mouthpiece. Make sure none of those, you know, sneak in and, and pop out a front tooth. You'll be good. Well, I had a question for you, John, earlier in the podcast where I was like, did you, do you think Denny is the kind of softball pitcher that wears a helmet or like wears a mask? Yes. Cause I would have said yes. I would um, say lowest T pitcher possible. <laughs> no, no, no. I stand in, I stand. I, I look like, uh, Oh, here's one. 
Pat, you're going to be shocked by this reference. I am uh, Mike Mussina of, uh, of, of, of getting ready to field the, uh, uh, you know, the grounder. And Mike Mussina was a golden glover, right? His whole, his whole career, right? First off, it's a gold glover. But yeah, gold. Mike Mussina was an elite athlete. <laughs> he had an intimidating stare, too. I think he was a really nice guy. But yeah, he had kind of a glare. Mm -hmm. He was a very good athlete. I believe the Denny, I've seen the videos of you shooting jumpers. Mm -hmm. I believe you might have some Mike Mussina athleticism, but uh, uh, that's a compliment. Thought, Thank you. Yeah. I would have thought you were a mask wearer. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. You got to protect your head. Um, but uh, I, I just, for the record, but I do get to play some second base and I, frankly, I'd be afraid to play any of the other positions. So I just keep me in right field. I'm never going to get better at fly balls <laughs> okay. on purpose. Just so I never get stuck. In third base. Second, well, <laughs> second base is so also fun. a low T position in hey, softball. It's low T, but nothing comes there. I, but I get to do the awesome, you know, glove to hand transfer, trying to flip it you know, like Colton Wong. Yeah. Like you get to show off occasionally. I don't do that, of course. I don't ever actually. It, get is, to show it off. does call for the slowest bare handers in the entire infield. You are correct. <laughs> it does. So that does it for the show today. John's best ball tears coming to the site soon. Are, are they already on the site, John? I don't know. I know not a yet. lot about NBC Sports Edge. No, no, not yet. Well, it's probably because I don't fill out the con. I'm working on filling out the content calendar, but yeah, not yet. They are coming though. Well, at the content calendar, John. come on, John. And yeah, best ball tier is coming soon. Got Nick Minzio's free agent tracker. We got lots of John's trackers out there. More content from Denny coming. Have my free agency primer up on the site. That's probably getting close to outdated by now. I have another show later in the week where we break down more signings. It's going to be a week that's full of signings. Uh, but that is all for today. I am Patrick Darty uh, for John Daigle, for Denny Carter. Uh, we will catch you later in the week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.